regardless of that, you're pretty young yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. For, for what you've done. But I, we'll, we'll, that's cool. But let's let the listeners know who you are. So I'm sitting down with uh, Azel North. You probably don't know him, but you probably know a lot of his work. Uh, you probably know a lot of the stuff he's had his fingerprints on. I would, I could give you a title, but I feel like there's so much that you do. How do you? How would you go about explaining what your titles are in terms of what you do sonically, marketing, business? What What do you do, Azel? Um, man, that's a deep question, sort of, <laughs> because I guess I'm trying to figure that out myself. Right. <clears throat> in this crazy journey, we started like a year and a half ago. Um, primarily I'm a, I'm a music producer. Um, some would call me a project manager. Some of my friends have called me a dream chaser. Oh. Uh, shout out yeah. J. Cole. No, or shout out Meek Mill. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, or dream creator, I guess. Mm. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of who I am right now. A music producer, project manager, artist manager. Right, right, right. So you, how did you come up into, obviously there's a story behind how this has happened in the past 18 months. But you didn't just gain these skills overnight. What, what did you, how did you come up in the game? Did, were you interested in music as a young person? Were you, how did this all come to fruition? Um, so I was taking it all the way back to when I started producing. Um, <clears throat> I started producing around when I was like 16, uh, just dabbling in FL Studios, Ableton. Fruity Loops, let's Fruity go. Fruity Loops. Yeah. Um, super young. I was doing that throughout my adolescence, um, through my early 20s. I mean, Matt, it feels so weird to say that I'm not in my early 20s anymore, but... <laughs> <laughs> You're at the halfway mark, man. Come uh, yeah, on, relax. Dude, I'm just yeah. barreling towards 30 30s right 30s around the corner, yeah. 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 30s right next to 40. <laughs> 40s right next to death. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. Pretty much, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I started producing for a long time. I've always wanted to be a music producer. Um, I was going to school for marketing. Um, around Where'd you go to school? I went to Qualen. Okay, awesome. Yeah, yeah cool. I did a BBA in marketing. Mm. Um, so around the ages of 24, 25, I actually started working in tech and marketing because um, I wasn't fully excited by what I was learning in school, uh, which led to like me leaving school to go work and gain experience there. <clears throat> in the midst of working in marketing and tech, I had an epiphany around 25 that like, if I don't leave this shit now, so can we curse on this? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. Kids, I'm sorry. Yeah. It's a cruel world out there. You, you should learn. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm going to keep this PG. I, um, I wasn't passionate, or I wasn't pa not passionate, but I just realized um, you are where you spend your time. Absolutely. Like, regardless. Absolutely. Um, so when I was 25, I was working like the corporate marketing gig, and I was like, I need to leave this immediately. And utilize the skills I've learned between the ages of 16 and then 25 mm. um, and whatever um, skill sets I've developed then and just go all in uh, into the skill sets that I am good at. Um, yeah. Through your youth. Yeah. Through your young days. Back when you were a young buck. Yes, yes. I got you. Because I'm old now. <laughs> <laughs> obviously, obviously. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but that's still, that doesn't lead you to, you are behind a behemoth of an upcoming artist right now and someone that's taken Vancouver by storm, someone that has actually gotten traction in this game that is extremely, extremely difficult to get traction in. Yeah. There are, we spoke just before the podcast, there's a million and one artists, rappers, MCs, groups, 
b-boy bands whatever it is graffiti artists that Mm -hmm. try to be the culture and all of a sudden you know if you really look behind it you have your fingerprints on every little bit of what you know um this group has been able to do um how did you get connected with uh manila gray and how did you formulate that relationship have you guys known each other since you were so young your chemistry seems so well how did this Mm -hmm. all come to fruition um we've been working for almost i would say like seven eight years now oh god Uh, we had we had a project together in the past that started when uh both sullivan and nico the members of manila gray were quite young um we worked on that project kind of like casually while i was still in school and they were working other jobs at the time um so we worked on that project and then once again once we hit that age where we were like oh this is do or die either you, you go you go know path go a all in or, or you go path b yeah uh we were able to utilize that experience um of our relationship building early on into the into the project that is now mm-hmm. but um yeah no we we kind of we just kind of connected we connected through friends that we met through mutuals mm-hmm. um Sullivan actually does a lot of the vocal engineering on all of the songs. Oh, no way. Yeah. So, Multi-talented. Yeah. So that in itself, when we started working together, was like already a signal in my head, in my young producer mind, like, okay, this kid's got something <clears throat> that like he's willing to put the time in to like go and engineer his own vocals wow. to make these songs happen. I was like, okay, let me just invest a little bit more time here, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then Nico at the time was also like dabbling in the graphic design and like just learning about marketing these guys are artists these guys are truly truly artists 100 percent. and like you know at the time i didn't really know that now until you know you grow up and you look back and you're like oh this made makes a lot of sense so why we like connected so when those like elements started showing back then um kind of like you know led to it now so yeah you you put the pieces together you think that uh how much how much of your success as a group, collectively, as a team, as a squad, as a tribe, one um, is based off. Obviously, your music is one thing. Your music is hot, but the, you seem to have formed a tribe behind you, mm-hmm. right? Like even just yo yo, I got a Zell coming on. Oh damn, another group. Oh what? And these guys just in the hood or or you know at the barber shop. These guys know you, right? There's the tribe of people behind you where it's like they have, they almost form an identity around you. Yeah. How do you manifest that? That is a man. Ah. Uh... I don't, I don't, I don't think you can write that down. Right. It, it, and I, I might, it might sound like I'm hiding something or like some secret strategy. He's got, he's got the syrup, got the but. secret sauce. Some motherfucker won't give it up. I'm trying to get him to give it up. We got all these, all these artists listening. Like, oh, yeah, they gotta have a Zell on. We're gonna, we're gonna figure out the marketing tricks. No, nope, so not today. <laughs> not today. But um, no, you know what? A lot of it comes from. Um, I, I think it comes from like doing good business. Mm. Um. And leading with like your best foot forward and treating people with respect. I know this sounds like really like cliche. super cliche, but yeah. like especially in the music industry, um, which isn't really like regulated or doesn't really have like rules. You know, rules. Yeah. Um, you are you are that tribe, right? That my I, I know the way my graphic designer or our team will like convey a certain communication with someone, it's gonna be with a level of respect or level of like like a standard has been set internally that we've set right um was that, I, a, was that a conversation that you had it's a conversation that we have sometimes right. um before that it's just like just the eth- work ethic of the team <clears throat> but um we'll, we'll we'll talk about that type of stuff we'll, we'll think about like 
like treat people how you want to be treated i know it sounds crazy but like it it, you know we look at other acts like we look at um like of course the ovo team xo team yeah everyone that's out in toronto right you look at like how they're moving um with the utmost respect and the utmost like business savvy and it leads to success like in the industry Mm -hmm. it's like a no-brainer almost right and it's just like escaping these like paradigms that are set of like douchey like, artists never paying people back yeah, yeah. shit promoters yep. yada 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 yeah. so, something that I, I, we put into the team early on um was we have to pay people immediately like if if i can't pay someone for work uh it's not gonna get done yeah period like i'm not gonna ask someone to like spend time or invest time mm-hmm. for free um Unless they're, of course, like an internal member, right. but externally, like having that respect, be like, yo, you you helped us put on a show, you 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 know, yeah. you put posters up or whatever. Like, I'm gonna pay you. I'm gonna make sure that I drive out and pay you. Like, um, and that in turn makes us us like, you know, right on the ball. Like, right. make sure our our money's right, our our business is right. You know, so no, totally. I think that in every person that you do right then becomes a spokesperson for you. Yep. Right, like that you can market through people in in the. I, mean, I think. Gary, you know who Gary V is, hundred percent man. Yeah, of course. This is, I'm just kind of you know, like they say, give without give without expectation, be selfless, right? That's mm-hmm. a lot of what we try to do here. Is just, yo, know, we can we can. I a lot of time with our guests, it's like I know we can do something. I know we, there's a collaborative effort. I know that we can pull this person in, and we can pull that person in, and and if we can make you an internal member, and if we truly invest the time, then we can elevate the community, yep. and in turn, that community becomes your tribe, right? Yeah. And that's uh, but there's this. I don't want to say false stereotype because maybe it's a correct stereotype around, especially Vancouver. I hate to, I was down Vancouver on yeah, this podcast, yeah. man. I swear to God, I always down, I always okay. down Vancouver. That's okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm from the island, right? So, um, but it's always like, you know, there's a city douchey aspect. Oh yeah, I got 10,000 plays on SoundCloud. I don't got to talk to you now. Or mm-hmm. I'm going to always keep, you know, five unread DMs in my thing 100%. just to look like I'm popping or yep. whatever, right? Like that's, it seems like it's a necessity to be on, right? So, I mean, hearing that you guys come through and that that's part of your true philosophy as a team, super fucking refreshing. Yeah. Creatively though, mm-hmm. how did you, there is a million people trying to do a million different things, a million different ways in terms of brand and content. Mm-hmm. You guys found some that hit. How did you stumble upon your, for instance, maybe I'll say visual deck where you have a certain color scheme, a certain vibe, a certain mood. Mm-hmm. You know, again, you spoke on OVO. You know, they have, you know, everything they do is oceanic. It's low end, right? Everything they do is is underground Toronto. It has a feel, distinct. Yep. I can touch it. I can feel it. I can buy it, yep. right? You've developed that exact same mm-hmm. texture to your brand. Mm-hmm. How did that come to fruition? That That is uh, Sullivan's brainchild. Of oh. his, it's his thought process on the Manila Gray brand uh, and where he sees where it needs to go and what his vision is really. Uh, we of course collaborate on it, but but it's definitely his seed of an idea, and then Nico will step in with his ideas and and, and book my co manager. He'll come in. Uh, strikes our graphic designer. Okay. Um, it'll be a very like, you know, collective process to building the actual brand deck or whatever. But like the initial step is always like, you know, Sullivan will just come to call me one day and just be like, "Yo, this is the this is the vision," and I'm like, "I don't know what this means, but let's." <laughs> Let's, let's explore let's it. Let's explore it. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? And then you start adding in the pieces like on the music production or the other graphic design perspective. And then you start building like the actual idea of what it is, right? Mm-hmm. Like 
But a lot of that actually does start with Sullivan. Like, right, right, right. He's yeah. kind of the, the spark behind it all. Yeah. How much time does this take? Like, oh. really to dive deep into... I mean, I know you're going to say countless hours, right? But I'm talking about... You are... I can tell just from my brief interactions with yeah. you, whether that's over text, here in a studio, you, you like things. You're an organizational guy. You understand, you know, the power of organization, planning, and, you know, proper proper preparation prevents poor performance. Yep. Shout out Leadership 12. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, for real. No, for real. Um, yep. But there's... How do you get in the studio where it's like artistry is so well? Maybe it happens, maybe it doesn't. Business is completely the opposite way. Yep. How do you, those two worlds do they collide? How do they collide? Um, I would say I'm an artist that has understood business, but not the <laughs> other way around. So I, I've led. Pause. Okay. Then that makes any sense. Say that so, again. So I'm an artist, right? It by heart, like. Yeah my mind is like a hundred places at once right. at all times, but business and business acumen and understanding business mm -hmm. will continue to allow that part of your life to flourish rather than a businessman. That's trying to be artsy artist. because I I've talked to enough A&Rs and I've talked to enough people and immediately I can know like if you're full of shit. Yeah. 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 Because like you, you, you don't know what you're talking about when it comes to like, you know, like the music or the creative, like, mm -hmm. um, I think that's a God given thing. Maybe it can be like <clears throat> learned, but, um, you know, that, that takes time, but yeah. sorry, what was your, what was your question? <laughs> no, it's all good. I think I'm, I'm trying to figure out how that business you're just speaking about yeah. and how people are full of shit. Mm -hmm. As doesn't want to curse on here. I'll curse for you. Don't worry <laughs> <Okay>. about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, how that works internally with the crew to build artistry and then meet deadlines be there for shows actually have projects out mm -hmm. have singles released at a certain yeah. date right how do those two work for you from your perspective for, as a management yeah as a management team um man okay I'll, I'll well i can take it back to like the early days of minimally great right okay we dropped paint the scene uh, paint the a scene. single ones in october 2016 i want to say like february we dropped another single called parking lot oh, that's like maybe wait october oh no it was october november and then in january we dropped another thing called lined up um there were, those you are had, you had the anime thing going yeah we yeah. had the anime thing going early yeah. on those were the first three singles that we put out um speaking of deadlines um parking lot and lined up were two records that we did early on but we didn't finish them creatively like we were still like mixing and mastering them mm. to the point where we've set a deadline maybe like four hours before we're uploading it yeah because we made a pact between the three of us nico and sullivan that like no matter what if we set a deadline we're gonna put it out even if it's terrible wow even that's if it's a terrible. risk super risky that's a risk but we knew that like even at our lowest point as creatives like getting stuff out there is more important than like you know than just having imaginations of like where your career is going to be. Right. right. Um, well put. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that, that's where that like creative and business tackles, but you, you need to be on the same page as your artist to mm. understand the importance of continuing to put out music or putting out content and when deadlines need to be met. Um, and another thing is we realized that 
when you're an upcoming artist, you romanticize a lot about the industry. Uh, you think people at the top, certain artists don't have any misses. But if you go sit and look at their catalog, right? There's a lot of misses. There's a lot of misses, man. Right. There's a lot of misses. I mean, like, you can go back and, like, listen to Prince and, like, Michael Jackson. Of course, like, those guys were, like, on some other yeah. level. It was also a different time. Different time where those guys could actually spend a lot of time recording and experimenting because yeah. yeah. there was budgets around there. And, you know, you that- yeah, you didn't, you, you could have a, you got to have a, I mean, think about, Back in the day, you used to have two years, three years between albums yep. or whatever. Like 100%. that would be atrocious. Now yep. that would be called a hiatus. That would you'd, yep. you'd call it a comeback, right? Yep, a hundred percent. And yep. like you, you start dissecting the people that you you want to be like, and you go listen to their catalog, and you're like, you only oh, put out one single every year. Da, 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 da. Or not even that. You listen to it, and you're like, wow, like like sixty five percent of this is terrible. Oh wow, it's like actually terrible music, like. Same, maybe not terrible, but like, not it, hits. It's just not. It's not what you have romanticized it to be. And then you realize that, and you're like, okay, hey, well, you know, someone's gonna enjoy this song that I don't even think is that good. True, true, true. Um, <clears throat> I think, I think a uh, youth water, which is like one of our breakout singles, like last year, like I didn't, I didn't even like that song. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> like, yeah. but I mean, it grew yeah, on yeah, me. Yeah. But yeah. initially, and we finished that record in like four hours. Yeah, so he played it for you in the studio, and you're like, nah. This is not it. This is not it. But we had a deadline. <clears throat> the beat was done, and the record was done, and we're like, well, we got to yeah. put it out. Yeah, we rules made the rules. Rules are rules. Rules are rules. I so, get it, man. Did you take out a, did you take a play, page out of Russ's book at all? Uh, was that, or did, or did you guys just have similar philosophies? Because he's changed a lot of the game in terms of how artists approach content now. Man, I, you want a deep dive on, on the dive. algorithm of... of Russ right now. Let's go. Hit me. I think <clears throat> I think SoundCloud as a business early on um was kind of incentivizing artists to upload a lot. Right. Because it makes their platform more valuable. So for example, like if you look at BuzzFeed in like 2012, 13, Facebook just had hit video. I could be wrong with the dates. Don't quote sure me on that. this. It's a podcast, but man. Like, you don't have to be right. <clears throat> fa- Facebook just had done video buzzfeed saw that as a business opportunity they started uploading video content like crazy they built a massive platform on it because the facebook platform like rewarded a lot of uploads converse like comparatively to like what russ was doing soundcloud's algorithm was giving him more exposure because he's uploading constantly Mm. so it wasn't so much like oh this is the path to like creating you know how to build an artist a fan right, base, a fan base yeah, yeah. it was literally because he was uploading and every time he uploaded like soundcloud was like oh here's 100k reach next time here's 200k reach it's 300k mm. reach because he kept feeding the machine right the right right, right. they built the platform granted his music was connecting too right so people were engaging with the content there was an audience there was an audience as well right same, same thing with buzzfeed right? right not i'm not comparing russ's music to buzzfeed no of course but, not yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah the the act of, yeah yeah the of ideology that. behind it yeah. i mean I, I just remember back in the day you go to soundcloud back in the day 2012 yeah back <laughs> in the, back in my day back when i was young buck out here <laughs> pause <laughs> um you go to you go to uh soundcloud rappers because we don't even have i don't know do we still do we have soundcloud rappers now <sighs> do we i don't know i don't think i don't know i'm not paying attention no. my bad um in in 2013, 2011, 2012, we had you would uh, artists would put out their, their album. Yeah, 
Number one song would get 10,000 oh, hits. Mm-hmm. All right. Number two song would get 5,000 hits. By the time you get down to the number eight song, you're looking at like, you know, 900 or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I remember listening to him in an interview. He was like, well, I just realized that albums were trash. So let me just put out a single all the time. And then when I'm, you know, I've been a fan of you guys for a bit, actually, when Time Zones came out. When did that come out? That was October 2017. Yeah, so about a little over a year ago. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's, for me, listening, I was like, oh, they hit. Pause, but that's not where I was going. I was going to, to where, when I was looking back at you guys, when I started to really get into it, I was like, oh, there's a single there. Oh, there's a single there. Mm-hmm. They're going with a certain type of branding, and now they're crafting their sound. I was like, but then I would have expected more content, but I was like, well, they didn't go with the mass content, the Gary V thing, right? Um, uh, quantity over quality. Not necessarily that sense, but they still went with quality pieces, but more than a, a lot of artists are doing. And another thing too is a lot of artists, local artists, no names, no need to even have any names, but from a branding perspective, now there's been so many rebrands. So many people go through so many rebrands. Yep. This person that now calls themselves that and they delete all of their old music. Yep. I look at your visual pieces, your digital content, your music videos. You seem extremely polished. Like, it, sure, your digital presentation is one thing, but I'm talking about creatively. It seems as if you've honed in on what and who you are and how you want to portray that, yep. um, which is even a little bit dark in times, right? Like obviously, you have a certain sound that, well, would you pr- portray it as dark? Um, it can be. It can be. I mean, the sentence <laughs> we've used uh, to describe Manila Gray is dark tropical sound. Yeah, see, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, like, literally, like, I think I have a deck somewhere that says dark, dark tropical, tropical sound. vibes or okay. something. Yeah. yeah, tight, tight, tight. I mean, I get that too, but you also have gone really far in that. I mean, Filipino background, these guys, right? Yep. Um, obviously, have a huge Filipino background, yep. uh, fan base and whatnot, but you don't seem to me, when I think about that, I think of lively, super lively music. Yep. And then you've brought it, you've shifted it a little bit more towards the dark, artsy type thing. You guys have a line. I want to ask you about this line, actually. I think it's in Friends of Friends. Yeah. It's the line at the start of the song. You know what I'm talking about? It's, uh, uh, we speak about uh, beastal cruelty yep. of man. However, some say this is unjust and offensive to beasts. Yeah. No beast could ever be so cruel as man. So artfully, so artistically cruel. Mm-hmm. That's dark. Yeah. What made you go that route? And please <clears throat> explain that. Um, that quote was during the editing process for the video for Friends of Friends. Um, there's a couple meanings to the Friends of Friends video. We can talk about it like off air probably. Okay, we'll talk off <laughs> air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, the quote is just kind of like, I forget who where the quote is from. It is from somewhere. I forget the person's name. But I wrote it down. I can't pronounce it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, the quote uh, is just kind of like, an introspection or an analysis of like human behavior mm-hmm. yep mm-hmm. and how it reflects to the music mm-hmm. yeah you ever heard of las meninas you ever do you know what that is no you'll love it las meninas is i'm not an art guy but it's a it's a painting by a spaniard in the 1500s yeah um i believe that quote is from a russian philosopher yeah, is, around yeah. the same time period mm-hmm. um las meninas is it's a play on perspective. So you can see the artist painting the actual photo itself. Um, you can see there's a, 
it's backdrop to here so you can see the artist painting the painting. It's then, again, you're watching that. You're also seeing a room. It, you're seeing a scene in a living room. Behind that, there's a mirror, supposedly a mirror or a window. We don't know which has the queen and king of Spain. And then there's also supposedly a door, yeah. which I'd have to uh, take the actual image and throw it up on the screen here. Don't worry. We'll get that soon. But um, it essentially, it takes into perspective who is looking at this photo, uh, not this photo, this this uh, painting, how how is the mirror looking at this? And it's, it essentially just plays on itself continuously. Yeah. It's yeah. like when you shine a mirror on a, a mirror, mirror, it just goes back and back yeah. and back and back and back. Yeah. And um, that reminded, this quote reminded me of that, that painting. Yeah. Um, I have no idea why, because they are kind of interrelated, but just from a perspective standpoint, do you guys draw on that age of art at all? Or is that just a coincidence? Um, where do you draw this we inspiration do. from? We, I mean, I think we do by a, a subconscious level. We all have like are interested in crazy philosophy. Things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm I'm a philosophy head, not super philosophy, but like recently I've been getting okay. more into it. Um, uh, same with the guys. Um, so maybe during our brainstorming session, that's what came out of it. Right. Um, but it was probably from a, like a subconscious level. Was totally, probably, totally, like, um, totally. Are yeah. you guys like um, uh, a what is truth type philosopher or uh, or a determinism type of philosophy? Or where do you guys, where does your mind go when you say philosophy? I couldn't really speak for the guys, but for me. You personally. Uh, me personally, man, I wasn't expecting this in this conversation. <laughs> but Blindside. Uh, I... I I think I haven't done enough reading yet to really give you a tangible sure, answer sure, without sure. like talking out of my hoo ha. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> need a uh, button. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> um, I, I think. Um, what are your interests lay? What grabs you? What do you gravitate towards? I'm trying to figure out your mind here, <laughs> man. I've been trying to figure that out for a long time. <laughs> uh, my interest lie somewhere between like philosophy like i like read about simulation theory way too much oh. uh, elon's your guy <laughs> elon's my guy yeah um like between music production i i always tell the guys too like if i wasn't a music producer if i didn't like come across fl studios at 16 like i'd probably be like coding or something yeah like, yeah but like i'd be coding weird shit like <laughs> weird ai if, simulations yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. i wouldn't be like coding like facebook (laughs) (laughs) any of that trash you beat yeah but um man man i guess there's something about having a mic in front of you that makes you makes you can't think it makes you not think i get it all the time but um that's a a great question Uh, i think i'm just interested in how things work like actually like the Mm. actual mechanics of something works and i also believe in a like like a lot of abstraction and i think that's where it comes from like my creativity i mm. guess if that makes any sense are you a religious guy um you've answered it already thanks <laughs> <laughs> um yes cool yeah how would you define that um i i allow religion to help me navigate life beautiful yeah. That's a beautiful, beautiful thing. 
but I do not let it control how I make decisions about my life. Mm. Because there's too many parallels between religions for them to be like all knowing. Mm-hmm. That, that, that might be blasphemous, but. No, not at all. No. I think that there's a lot of things in. I'm not religious either. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd say I'm spiritual. So my answer would be similar to yours, probably. Um, there's a lot of beautiful things that, that, that religions teach uh, across all religions. Yep. Um, many are similar. To me, I have a, a weird perspective. I think that, for instance, when someone says Christianity, um, I have weird affiliations with that. So if someone was to say Germany in the 1930s, what would you think? Or Germany in the 1940s, what would yeah. you think, right? Exactly. So when you say Christianity, I think of the Crusades. I think of the genocide that was North America, right? Yeah. These are, yeah. you know, warm, fuzzy feelings don't come into my head, so to speak, right? Yep. And that, because of that, because I've seen what this can do and through history, and I see it in day-to-day, I see it in modern-day Middle East, right? I gravitate towards that, but that doesn't mean that there's not a lot of value there <clears throat> that I think everyone can you know, apply into their own works, especially as an artist. Yep. I've searched through your guys' music quite a bit, and I don't... You have a point of making vague statements. Mm-hmm. You don't get to the point right away, and you don't necessarily try to make points at all. Mm-hmm. You are very elusive, how is that just their style of writing? Is that something you've talked about or where does this, how does this grow? Right. Uh, from their perspective, I would say, I think that's just how they like to write mm-hmm. and how they like to get people to think. Mm-hmm. For example, <clears throat> the friends of friends music video, please. Right. Like, I'm well, gonna, I'm not going to explain I'm gonna see it. how much I can get out of here right I'm now. I'm not going to explain <laughs> it now, but like, yeah. like, you know, there, yeah. there is, if you watch it, yeah. there's something to be, there's something to be taken away, like mm-hmm. at a very deep level. I'm there's so something. Curious. Yeah. I'm gonna ask you off yeah. mic. Yeah, for sure, for yeah. sure. Okay, but um, yeah, like you know, for them, I, I'm not really sure. I, I, there was a point actually as a producer, and this is a tip to all producers that when we were making music, I, I stopped asking them to change the lyrics. Oh, immediately, like I, there was a point when we were working early on where I was like, "Oh, you got to change the hook. Yeah. It's got to be more poppy." Oh, I think she's this, this isn't line. it. Yeah, that's not a vibe. Unless it's like really like like guys like that's this not it. Like don't put that in the song. Um, and that's generally like a probably a poor choice in melody or a poor choice in a punchline or whatever. Sure. But as a producer, um, big tip. I was just like, nah, just evolve, man. Like, yeah, I'm I'm. Because when I started producing, I was coming from more of an EDM background. Oh, actually. really? Okay. Yeah. Um, when I initially started producing, it was a lot of like... When I started getting heavy into music production, it was a lot of EDM um, and a lot of like dubstep and whatnot. And mm-hmm. at the time, like dubstep and these type of beats, like you're trying to captivate the listener without vocals. So you're trying to like put... It's a these, hard job. Yeah. You're trying to put these crazy chops in, drum fills everywhere. Lots of contrast. Yeah. Yeah. All that stuff. And once I realized you're working with Minnelli Gray heavily, I was like, oh, no, no. I'm I'm here to paint pictures. For, not I, I'm here to paint the the backdrop for what they're about to paint. Mm. So I, I'm here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure the clouds are in the right place. I'm right. going to make sure that they have the colors that they need. But I'm not drawing the subject. Mm. 
and it's up to them to put that subject in the world that I've, I've put. Right. Yeah. What's your producing method then in terms of how are they, do you go full scale, draw that canvas, put the clouds where you want to put them, put yeah. the trees where you want to put them, and then just bring them in completely separately and say, go. Or is it a more of a collaborative effort where you're all kind of there? Does it vary? How do you approach producing when you're producing for a specific artist? Like, I don't know, excuse me if I'm wrong, but uh, do you necessarily produce for a large array of artists mm -hmm. where you're sending a lot of beat packs out or stuff like that? I, I haven't actually dived into producing for other artists right okay. now. Um, maybe it's something I'll do in 2019 sure. coming up, but sure. I've actually just been focusing solely on the middle of gray project for well, the last little while. It's working. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, but the process for middle of gray in terms of beats, um, it actually starts with very, very, very skeleton beats. So like drum kits or no, just, just like the beat might be like a minute long with one synth and like a snare. And I'll send it to the guys and they'll immediately tell me like, oh, this has something or it doesn't. And if it has something, then they'll put like a verse on it yeah. and then send it back. And I'm like, okay, well, I got a verse here. Like, let me see where they're going with this. Right. Yeah. I'll send a version back to them. And the beats are now beats like two minutes long. Right. right. And they have like a hook written. Now they've given me that. Mm -hmm. and I, they stem out like the vocals because Sullivan does the vocal engineering. He sends me that back and I, I work on it some more. Got you. And we'll go back and uh, like, for example, friends of friends was like 48 versions. Holy. Yeah. Like, and when I mean versions, like it's like that many steps, yeah. you know, um, that's one process that we've gotten very, very proficient at like working on. Um, but like, I, I've told the story before about like, for example, like a, a track like Eastbound Eastbound started off as a track, uh, with another beat that I think it was from, my Google Drive that I had set up, <laughs> I forget. But is that your biggest track? Eastbound? Time Zones? No, Time Zones are biggest time tracks. Yeah. I think that's, it's Time Zones, Friends of Friends, Youth Water, then Eastbound. Eastbound's a banger. Yeah. I'm sorry, yeah. Um, but Eastbound started off as a, as a track. Sullivan had written a verse to it. I heard potential in the vocals, but I didn't really hear potential in the old beat. Mm. I then ended up composing new chords to the new vocals or to the old vocals. Right. Yeah. I sent that to Sullivan and Nico and they're like, well, we don't even like the original vocals that we did. So they took that out and they, they wrote to the new. It's completely beat. new. It's a completely, it's a completely new, new song. Yeah. 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 So like that was one process that we like came across and like we try to totally review. Yeah. Not your traditional. Okay. Yeah. This is my beat. Go ahead. Here's the yeah. verse. Here's the chorus. Maybe there's a bridge in there, but probably not. Yeah. It's very, it's very, it's a very collaborative process. Um, Honestly, like those records, Eastbound, Time Zones, Youth Water, Friends of Friends, which like you could say pretty much changed our life in some way. Yeah. Um, it's crazy. When I left my job, we had none of those. Crazy. Yeah. That's so a leap. January 2017, I think I made the beat for Time Zones before an accounting final. No way. Yeah, the original beat, the the V one, like I was right about right an accounting final, and I ended up making that beat. You're not school. You're not still in school. No, no, no okay, school, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, 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 I might be going back, but right now, like, <laughs> don't worry about it, man. I'm gonna drop out too. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> it's all love. It's like, yo, like I'm trying to, I'm trying, I'm trying to, to actually do things with my life. So you know, maybe yeah. at some point, yeah, yeah. So yeah, okay, I got um, you. Um, but yeah, like, yeah. So there's, there's a lot. Like, sometimes I, I tell that to my my parents about like 
not having any of the songs. And they're like, what were you thinking? Yeah. And I was like, I don't I have no idea. <laughs> I've no, I was like, I, there's no way I'm working. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, there's yeah. no way I can go to yeah. the work and come home and go to work and come home and go to work yeah. and come home. Yep. Yeah. And I was like, I, I need to be, you know, and uh, I, we took a, we took a leap of faith there. So no. totally. You say you might be like, oh, I don't know what I was thinking. But can you go back to, would you say you don't know your mindset or do you, what was your thought when you're like, okay, because somewhere in your head you were like, oh, I could leave this shit. Yeah, I could. Yeah. And then for most people, that's where that thought stops. Yeah. Right? Um, it, it, it goes back to like, and maybe there's like a philosophy term for this, okay. but like it goes back to like. Actually, there's probably no philosophy term for this. This is just literally like, yeah. yo, like you're gonna spend eight hours a day somewhere that you don't want to be, yeah, and it's not gonna like the mathematics do not add up here, like yeah. ever. Like yeah. people always say, like get up early or like work after. It's like no, 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 no. Like when you're employed, they don't have you for eight hours. They have you for twelve. They have you for thirteen, and not even thirteen. They have you for thirteen and the weekend, mentally. It's like, it's like, if you want to excel at something, if I wanted to excel at a job, I'd be like, I'm going to go full fledged, become the best at the job. I'm working weekends. I'm, I'm figuring like, I'm going to the water cooler parties. Like I'm trying to, I'm trying to meet everyone. Every network, anywhere to hone my skills. But if I'm not doing that, like they just own me for like weekly. They own your thoughts. Like you wake up and you're thinking about like, I got, I got Cindy needs an email. <laughs> like <laughs> I can Cindy. Cindy was on my dick last week on Monday. Cause I came in late. Oh my God. I hope Cindy was on work. She was like, Oh my God, Cindy. No, <laughs> Cindy, you were great. Yeah. 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 No, no, no. There's, there's no Cindy involved, but like, you know, <laughs> I don't think people think about that mm. a lot. And you know, I, I'm <laughs> for better or worse. I'm a slippery slope type of guy. Okay. Meaning that like, you know, one day you're 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 emailing Cindy on a Saturday to get like do this. You know, ten years later, you're divorced and you hate your life, dude. Like, it's that simple. I've done the mathematics. I'm seeing it. Like, yeah, you know yeah, I mean? it's there. Yeah, like, it you know exists. What I mean? It's like, and also like, I started uh, I started reading a lot about other people's lives. Like, I, I'm sure you've heard of this. Like, you are the equivalent of like the five pe- the five closest people around you, yeah. right? Um, in Surrey, aside from my incredibly hardworking parents, right, and a couple choice friends, and of course, like the ones collective, there's not really like mentorship. Like, it's not like we live like in the city that like Stanford's at, and like, you know, homie is like a master's degree holder. Right, like, he's right, telling you, right, like, yo, right. this is, you know, I mean, you, you hear about even uh, Evan Spiegel like making Snapchat at 21, you're like, it's not like he just woke up like in Missouri yeah. and made Snapchat. It's like, no, no, he had like his parenting, yeah. his schooling, his experiences, his mentorship around him, his tribe, like around him, like embedded him to make a company like Snapchat. Yeah. Same thing like with Facebook. So back to the, the mentors thing, like I started finding mentors, right? but not like calling them up. Cause hey, like, I'm be not, my mentor. I'm not trying to waste your time. I'm trying to find everything about you online. I'm trying to figure out what, what you process. Uh, for example, if anyone <clears throat> doesn't know who Tim Ferriss is, yeah, great guy. He He's probably creating the craziest database of information ever made. And I say that because like, he's bringing in millionaires onto his podcast. And like the questions he asks are like, 
What do you have for breakfast? What do you do when you're overwhelmed? Hmm. Like real questions. Like I, it might sound odd to say like, what do you eat for breakfast is a real question, but like it actually is mm-hmm. back to the slippery slope mindset. Like, you know, yeah. no, you're I know, but go, yeah, you're eating go. the wrong thing. Yeah. You're divorced. Like it's over. <laughs> <laughs> you need like, you know, Oh man, no, no I, I mean, you know, listen, I, you know, I, I can't, you, I'm looking at you like you're crazy, yeah. but I'm looking at you like you're crazy because I relate to it. So mm-hmm. like, early on one of the first podcasts we did here i was like man i won't be friends with you mm. if you step on the heels of your shoe interesting what do you mean by that right so i'm a slippery slope guy too mm. if you step on the heels of your shoe you're undisciplined you're lazy you lack motivation right you're stepping on the heels of your shoe i see you homeless this is a stupid assumption in many cases, right? Mm-hmm. But it's the same way where, you know, you sent Cindy an email on Monday and on Thursday she's on your dick. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm, saying? <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> oh my right? God. Yeah. Or, you're, excuse me, you send Cindy an email on Thursday and by 10 years down the line you're married. Yeah. PG, yeah. PG version. Kev, director, cut that out. <laughs> um, <laughs> just kidding. Keep that in. Um, <laughs> but I, I hear what you're saying where it's like there's a lot of different ways you can go about it. Um and you are who you surround yourself. So if you if you eat a Big Mac or eat a breakfast egg McMuffin for breakfast, that'll yep. lead you down a certain path. Yep. So what you're saying is everything matters. Everything matters. Everything matters. How everything you matters. carry yourself, how you drink your, your – do you drink water? Are you constantly addicted to your phone? How do you treat your parents? How do you treat your friends? Yep. How do you t- treat the janitor? How do you write? How do you – et cetera, et cetera, right? I couldn't agree more because like you said earlier, let me just connect those two in there with the founder of Snapchat. Excuse me. What's his name? Uh, even Spiegel. Okay. Spiegel? Spiegel? I'm not sure. I don't sure. know. It's yeah. <laughs> By doing a podcast, you get a license to mess things no, up. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Um he again that was the entirety of his life coming together in one way or another the things that didn't matter and the things that did to come and create this you know absolutely revolutionary thing that is snapchat right um have you read malcolm gladwell outliers i because you just referenced it a lot i don't know it's so funny people have um highly recommended that book i actually have it ordered on amazon Mm. it's actually coming in uh, a lot of people have said, like, I'm operating on that, so I'm excited to read it. You just it. defined it without reading it. Oh, word. So he studies a group of people. You'll know because you, you'll read the book. But essentially, there's there's no one determinant of what makes people successful or unsuccessful. Yes. And however you want to define those terms, whether that be um, athletically or through wealth accumulation or, you know, whatever it may be, mm-hmm. emotionally successful. Um there's a multitude of things in which can get you to whatever heights you're trying to attain. And he goes back to an example. One example is, for instance, on national team sports, you'll find 85%, maybe I'm making that, maybe it's 80%, maybe I'm making that percentage up. Yeah. But around there of athlete, of the athletes on that team will be born in the, jan- in, in the months January or February. Right. Right. Why is that? Because they hold a competitive advantage with their peers from an early age. So, all of a sudden, you're six months or eight months more developed than your peer who's four years old. Six months or eight months of development at that time is absolutely monumental. You then get grouped in the elite category. You then get moving and progressing with everyone in that elite category, yep. right? And that's just very simple to your point of, he has a thing, stepping on the shoes is not the example, but in the way you hold yourself, every little 
bit, every little essence of your being will contribute to whatever your moment is. Yep. Right. Opportunity uh, plus preparedness equals success. Right. It's probably something you've heard many times. Mm -hmm. That explains a lot. What it doesn't explain mm -hmm. is the tribe that you've built. Yep. So the ones collective. Yeah. Um, how, where, why, who? This is a tribe. This is something behind your yep. brand. This is a huge part of your success from the outside looking in. Yep. I have nothing to do with this. Yep. From the outside looking in, I think, wow, that is a movement. Yeah. That's not an artist. That is a movement. There's a yep. very, you know, there's there's many artists that are just an artist. You aren't you, that your collective group of people is not that. Yep. Tell me how. It wasn't not stepping on your shoes. It wasn't eating your vegetables in the morning, right? How did that become a thing? Um, that becomes a thing when you realize that the friends that you've selected over the years are very like-minded and none of us want to work regular jobs. I might keep it blunt with you, yeah. but <clears throat> a lot of that also just comes from, you know, like I said, like slippery slope comes up again, like, are you going to pick the right friend? You know? Dun, 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 dun. Hey, man, people don't like to talk about it, but it's kind of, it's a real thing, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, you, you pick people that you want to, around, to be around you that are going to elevate you and, and make you the best version of you. Um, and that is pretty much the Ones Collective. So, right, yeah. right. Well, who came up with the name? The Ones Collective came from the song Once, actually. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I see you guys. All yeah, right. Yeah. I see you guys out here. Yeah, yeah. Do you guys have? So I see you rocking the hoodie. Is that yeah. is that a line? Can we, can we get that in storms? Can I where where can I get that or can the I not get that? Do I got to be part of the collective to get in no, that? Uh, right now, I mean, we, we we've been toying with the idea of uh, selling some Ones Collective merch, mm -hmm. but right now we're we're keeping it kind of internal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean. You don't sit at the table. Your price goes up. It becomes more scarce. Price goes up. Amen. It's business. I get it. I see. I see you guys. <laughs> simple, simple mathematics. But yeah. you said none of you guys want to work a real job. Okay, sure. That's easy. Yeah. I don't want to work a real job. Fuck it. I'm just gonna stay home and jack off all day. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, I mean, yeah. I, I, let's let, okay. Let let me rephrase. It's like no. I'm trying to make my job into a real job, and uh, something that I've I've realized on the journey, and I think a lot of self-hired people. Yes or self-employed people talk that talk um like myself run into that problem because you are your own boss right, right? not only are your own your own boss your own business development your own, your own marketing your own everything right um and to run a successful business um that becomes your real job mm -hmm. like you need to be really really good at business development and also educating yourself almost like four, six month periods if you're working a regular job. Mm -hmm. For example, if you got hired like as an intern somewhere, right? Every four months they're like, they're teaching you strategies, you're building a better network, da da da, you know what I mean? Yeah. And they're just kind of putting you through the system that they've built. You have to do that for yourself. You have to build your own system. You have to educate yourself. But it gets even harder than that because it's like, are you even picking the right book to be reading, reading. for your next steps, which are also a black hole that you don't know yet. Yeah. Yeah. So how delusional are you? Ma massively. <laughs> you have to be delusional. Right. You, you have to be. You. Th there is some level of like delusion. Of course. In, in what you're doing. 
Do you think you're still delusional? Like, obviously, you had to be January first, twenty seventeen. You had to be delusional, no doubt about it. You had to be. There's no way you looked at this logically and thought that's a good move. I don't think I was delusional because, as a producer, as a music producer, I knew I'd always have a career sure. to produce music. So I, there was enough chips on my table. Like I would say, like I would say, like sixty-seven percent was like, okay, you know what, it's good. The rest is like straight up delusion. I'm not gonna lie to yeah, you. Like, yeah, yeah, that's like you know what I mean. But um, but are you still that level of delusion now? No, because I, you've I, hit. I no, you, yeah, you have traction. You know what's funny. You know, it's funny. We had a goal like on our roadmap that said a million plays on YouTube. Yeah, that's we're like, oh, when, did like, you, when did you get that? Oh, we're gonna get a million. We're gonna get a million plays. Everything. We're gonna get. <laughs> hey, yo, done. bro, we don't get a million play. Oh, a million. That, that that shit hit. That's fr- that's the only yeah. time I swear. <laughs> and we hit a million. The next day, I'm talking to my homies like, I guess we're building the next roadmap. Yeah. Because no one else is coming to do it. Nope. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, there's no one else. Like, yeah. unless we prove value to like an external investor or like sure. figure something out like at a higher level. Yeah. Or there's a gameplay like someone wants to come in. And then that's like, yo, like, no, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's no other step. Like, this is, know, this is Monday it. morning. Wake up, bro. Like, yeah, this like, is it. Eat your like happy cake. Yeah. That you hit a million or whatever. Yeah. But like, Back to work. Back, back to, to the work. drawing board for yeah. sure. Yeah. So I know you got to get out of here. I got two more questions for you though. Um, we're, we're good for time. You good for time? Yeah, we're good okay, for cool, time. Okay, cool, yeah. cool, cool. Um, your level of intelligence in terms of from the business side has been apparent as a fan. Mm-hmm. Maybe not apparent to the average listener, but I deep dive on business and that's I love to see it. Even when I go down on Apple Music and I see Manila Gray, LLC, mm-hmm. I go, oh, oh, he knows. That's what I think. That's literally my thought process. Yeah. Like, oh, he knows. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you know? Like, you own your you own your publishing. Yeah, we own our master. You own everything. Publish. We own everything. So I just bro. assume that, yeah. right? So that, that's a huge pitfall. Um, thousands of these guys go yep. through. How did you figure that out? I did research. I research mentors, like actual mentors. Mm-hmm. Right. You read a lot. You kind of you understand the business aspect, and you understand. At the end of the day, the music industry is still the music industry, right? Like, for example, earlier in the conversation, you're talking about the rapper who has like five unread DMs, right? Right. Like, congratulations, you got like five customers that you just told to fuck off. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, loving being the cursing guy. <laughs> <laughs> you ever seen uh, uh, Obama's anger translator? You ever seen that yeah, skit? Yeah, yeah, That's yeah, me yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah. You know, and um, yeah. That, that's pretty much it. Like, yeah. and, and and you start to understand the industry. You start to look at the music industry as if you were selling any other product, and mm-hmm. then you understand why artists have had such a hard time. You understand why the leverage is not in their hands at all. Um, like for example, like here's a here's another pro tip to another producer, right? Producers, music managers, artist managers, your time is so invested in a certain role that you will not have time to invest it elsewhere. For example, like if you look at a lawyer, right? A lawyer in the music industry has all the chips at all times. The reason he has all the chips at all times is because he's making the calls. He's sitting in the office. He's making X collaboration happen with X collaboration. He's building the network. He's building his client base, right? Right. If you're an artist manager, you are dead set on one thing, making the artist as big as possible, right? If you're a day-to-day manager for the artist, you're dead set on one thing, right? If you're a music producer, you're dead set on honing your skills as a music producer. Mm -hmm. 
Um, that's something people forget a lot. Like, right. yeah, right. but yeah. Uh, well, how did I know that we needed to own our publishing and our masters and whatnot? Um, yeah, just from doing research, man. You well, you you just you look at the industry for what it is. Right. You look at you turn off all the glitz and glam. You figure out what it really means, and you operate as such. You you understand that songs are your assets. Yeah. Right. Let's own them. So in that sense, I guess the thought process is let's not sell our, I mean, songs are a scarce resource, right? Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, there's a lot of energy that goes into them to create them, to own them, to mix, master, produce, all of that. But they're not. I'll tell you why. Okay, sure. I'll tell you why a song isn't a scarce resource in 2018, 2019. A kid can make a Minecraft like tutorial video and Mm -hmm. upload it every week or every day for a week and each video will do like 2 million views right sure on the flip side like artist does a song and they do a million and it's like oh great like you did 1 million like but for example Joe Budden's like doing podcasts and like yeah. he's the hottest in his career ever because impressions are impressions streams are streamed now like yeah, it doesn't matter it doesn't matter okay sure but let me play devil's advocate here sure. if, if it's not if a song is not an asset or if a song is not a scarce resource rather, mm-hmm. um, why not just give them away? Why not just say, People Oh, do give them away. Well, no, I know I'm saying you're not charging for your songs. Mm-hmm. Right. But to record companies, why don't you just give them away to X record label? I'm sure you guys have had conversations, right? We, we have, we have, we've, we've talked about giving our current catalog away. It's worth, a, I'm sure it's worth a solid yeah. figure, whatever that yeah. figure may be. But you know, you calculate what that figure is. Okay. And you figure out like, okay, well, X song will do X amount in publishing mm-hmm. and maybe for the next 10 years or whatever. And if we still own 50% of it, like maybe an upfront cash injection is actually worth it. Right. Right. Do you, do you see yourself having part of your catalog? Um, I don't want to say least published or licensed. License, excuse me. Yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, the last three records that we actually put out was mm. in partnership with the label, mm. but we got the deal terms exactly how we wanted them. Right. Yeah. Right. How did you gain that leverage as an artist to have deal Business terms? Acumen. Okay, sure. Yeah. And I'll say that why because like you need to know what you're bringing. You're bringing a master recording for yourself that you've developed that you made the recording cost of, right? And all you have to do is, in English, <laughs> in plain English, convey the value that you're bringing to the label. Right. Because the label is also operating on that as well. They're not going to give you the best deal. And no aspect of life is anyone going to sit and negotiate your side for you. Yeah, yeah. So you negotiate the side for you and you usually understand the deal points that you have, right? right. So for example, that like you own the master recording, but you guys can have the sync license. You guys can have this portion of the publishing, but we want this and this and this. And mm-hmm. it can only be for X amount of years. Right, right, yeah. right, right. How much do the guys understand that side of the business? Um, a lot, Yeah, actually. Seems like you guys are very holistic. Uh, because when I, st- for example, I never wanted to be an artist manager. I always wanted to be a music producer. So when me... So you fucked up. Why is that? Well, look at you now. <laughs> no, I don't think I am. <laughs> people, would say, people would say I have the hottest sound in Vancouver right now. I would be one of those people that would say that. Yes. Yeah, there you go. So I guess... <laughs> but you know, according to the, your younger self. Yeah, yeah, to my younger self. Yeah, yeah in a way. But 
with my team uh, internally, I'm actually incredibly open. Mm. So I'm I'm negoti- I'm give I'm helping them negotiate better deal rates with me. Mm-hmm. Because, wow! Because I I don't I have no desire for you know I I don't have a de- I have a higher desire to see my friends succeed than to have the short term financial gain of making sure I'm getting like five percent on month buddy. Well, you know the bag in ten years will be insurmountable. It'll, it'll be it'll be for everyone. It'll yeah. be crazy so it doesn't matter yeah people don't people don't know or don't care how much you know until they know how much you care right at the end of the day i think that's what makes a team work holistically i mean you guys obviously have a history and can trust each other to the bone um but do you ever think you're at a point now where you're maybe on the launching pad let's be realistic maybe you're on on the launching pad right now Mm -hmm. um do you ever get i don't want to say scared but worried about how things might change in five years, how things might change in 10 years, right? Like success is a motherfucker, right? It really is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like, like I said, with a million plates, right? We were hoping to get a million plates mm-hmm. one day, right? Mm-hmm. And then immediately your, your, your delusion yeah. or your, your thought process or your focus changes immediately. And you're like, oh man, why was I so dialed on a that million was, plates? Like yeah. this is actually, this is like, it's in the grand scheme of things, this is a terrible point to put on the roadmap like this is child's play yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. like it's like oh my god like yeah you know i mean yeah. um i wouldn't say scared <laughs> we have this we have this internal saying in the team like i ain't scared <laughs> you know we'll be, sure. looking, at, we'll be sure. looking at deal terms are you like, con- hey. okay hold up let me uh so, so the team doesn't get mad at you i would say are you concerned about uh how you would forecast future conditions of all of the careers of the collective as a whole yes Mm. Yep. I think I think recently that's actually a really intelligent question. And I'm glad you asked that. Like recently, I was like, "Oh, we're actually building a business here. Like, I need to do HR for every team member because mm. no one else is going to do HR for team members." So I'm like reading HR books on like making sure a DJ has a career in like a year and a half. Wow! Like he just needs to if he's not invest X amount of time in our project. He needs an exit exit strategy, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Or like he needs to be sure that he's doing good, so middle and grade can do good, or you know the ones collective can do good. Mm-hmm. So we're going through that process now. Like we're trying to figure out like where we can take the project and where we can take it realistically and unrealistically. And yeah, you know I mean? right. I like how you throw that in there yeah. too. Unrealistically as well, where you, we can take it. You have to stay foolish. Like yeah. you have to. Like I mean, even like some of the the best mentors that I've read about have always in some way have said like, you have to say kind of foolish. Like Steve Jobs said that I believe. Yeah. 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 Um, that's an issue that I see. I like, like yourself. I like to study organizations, um, and how people strive within them. Again, we work in a, we work in a world of employees. Um, we also in 2018, we work, we live in a world of startups. Um, and small organizations, we have organizations, whether that's religious or career wise or governmental all around us, right? Power structures are everywhere. My question to you is, as we see someone progress through, for instance, if someone was to join your team right now, Mm -hmm. excuse me, if someone was to join your team right now, how would you sell them on? For instance, you have a bright young star, someone you've identified as, yeah, this person is underpriced 
right? As in no one knows about them. They don't really understand their potential or their value yet, right? How do you have an honest relationship with that person, bring them onto the team, and then navigate through their career? Because you know damn well because of the potential and the star power that that person has, maybe as a creative director, maybe as a, uh, a graphic designer, it does not matter the title. How do you navigate them through that or even allow them or bring no, them I'm on sorry. without playing them ah uh, man uh in the i would say like i said like in the two years the amount of growth i've had i've like been thinking about this type of stuff about like onboarding people and bringing people on that honestly like i'd be lying to you if i said i thought about that type of stuff before right i think the journey in self-employment makes you like it's like it's like drinking from the fire hose man <laughs> It's not even drinking from the fire hose. You're, you're, there's a saying by Elon Musk where it's like you're looking into the dark abyss while eating glass. Like, that's what you're doing, like, yeah. every day. Like, and there's a fire hose in your face. <laughs> <laughs> like, and then you start learning, like, oh, like, I'm actually affecting people's lives bigger th- or in a bigger way than I thought. Right. Right. And I, it's irresponsible to like, you know, just like onboard someone and be like, oh, this is what we're going to do, da da, like, whatever. Um, and I think that ultimately goes back to my desire to not be an artist manager. <laughs> yes. uh, and I'm doing it with friends that, you know, we have a very, very strong relationship. Um, so in terms of building that right now, my honest answer would probably be like, maybe I'm not going to do that. Because you don't know yet. Because I don't know yet and I don't feel responsible enough to do it. Sure. But the business might demand something else. The business will demand something else, yes. The business probably does demand something it else. It does demand something right. else, yeah. So how you not be... Obviously, you're a, you're a young guy. No. You're not a, you're not a 35 or 40 or 45-year-old music industry veteran. Mm-hmm. So obviously, you've had success. You're obviously, talented and intellectual and organized. You lack experience, regardless. It doesn't matter how you cut the cake on how successful. You're going to have a thumbscrew at the end of the day, right? Now, how much of your thumbscrew, your weakness? I mean, we can talk about upside all day, right? I mean, I'm not here to blow smoke up your ass, right? I mean, what you build is clearly successful. Yeah. Well, I'm not. I'm not even looking for this conversation for you to. No, for sure. Yeah. No, I understand that you're not, but you will have a weakness in all of your guys of and i sit here in the exact same position you know, where it's like yes we have a talent we have hit in some regard there's something that's worked now how much are we going to hinder the development of the business based on our youthful inexperience blind ambition etc etc yep. how much is that going to hurt you guys how so, do you let it not hurt you guys so we um like I said, I've been thinking about this for a long time. We've kind of baked it into our plans. So like, like I said, like my role as an artist manager, I started defining what I do as an artist manager specifically and what I'm good at, what I'm not good at. And then my desire to be a music producer long-term is going to eventually, uh, you know, take probably lead yeah. in, in my career. Yeah. Um, and that's why we have a co-manager book. Shout out book. Shout out uh, book. <clears throat> he's been helping very instrumentally in the in the development of Manila Gray. And we've been looking at external investors because we have that leverage now to actually have a conversation where it's like, yeah. yo, like, you know, this is an actual business opportunity that someone can come in 
you know, with more experience and a more of a network, make sure the deal's right. And then, you know, sometimes you just have to eat humble pie, man. But people don't do that very much. Um, especially this industry. I think, I think people looked at like, I go back to like OVO or XO, right? Like people look at like how Drake's team OVO, like they did it all by themselves or whatever. Right. But you look at like somewhere like Oliver Al-Khatib and he, he, Who got, no one knows about, by the way, but yeah, yes, please. but, but he, it, he's one of Drake's managers and, mm-hmm. and brand developers for the OVO brand, but he was mentored by Lil Wayne's manager, Taz, I believe. I didn't know that. Yep. For, for almost like three or four years early. And then at that time, I think Taz was getting managed by, or getting mentored by someone else who was like an experienced person for the Lil Wayne. Huh. So you're looking at like three, four generations of like artist management being like <laughs> brilliance being like funneled into Oliver Over. in the safe space that he could learn. You know, they got the album deal, right? They have everything right. They have like the team working. Yeah. And like a legitimate system of like mentorships happening for him, right? Um, but yeah, like I mean, you like I said, back to like when we were talking about catalogs and dissecting artists, right? You start dissecting artists and you start unromanticizing a lot of it. Mm-hmm. And you start putting that groundwork in and you start seeing like, oh, like back to like the outlier thing or the guy who on mm-hmm. Snapchat, yeah. where it's like, no, no, it's not like it's not as simple yeah. as you thought it was. It's like it's actually a very complicated complex but also very straightforward way yeah. like it actually it's like oh no look at that of course like, of course you got a mentor like it's wait. it's totally a paradox yeah i hear what you're saying yeah. i hear what you're saying so you're you're seeing that you know yeah right but i think let's start let, let me divert a little bit here i think that back to the question a little bit where you say you, you eat some humble pie that's how you you get past it at but, all times man sure yeah. you, you try to stay humble every day you wake up but at the end of the day, I feel as if, especially in an industry like yourself, an industry that you're in, excuse me, is it's such an exploitative industry. There's people looking to exploit you at every corner, everywhere you yep. go. And especially in when you look to expo- exploit someone, you find for someone, A, someone who's vulnerable. Luckily, I wouldn't say you're vulnerable because you have leverage and you have built yourself to a certain standard. Yep. Vulnerable one and inexperienced two. So regardless of how well you've navigated the waters thus far, you are still inexperienced. Do you find that to be an issue? And I'm not saying to name names, but... I I wouldn't... Backtracking, but I wouldn't define myself as inexperienced. Mm -hmm. I would just say... There's a lot that you can do with first principles thinking. Like... Right? Yeah. And look, the music industry isn't rocket science. Mm -hmm. It's not like I'm going to like build a rocket for the first it's time not, but it but it is but, yeah oh sorry you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you why it isn't please it's like at the please, end of the day please, you're still please. like for example you look at someone like lyrical lemonade right okay. they're just uploading content now they literally run the industry mm. still cole bennett running the industry mm. like of course he's got business managers and whatnot and people he's hired and i'm sure he has a mentor <clears throat> but like you know mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Um, okay. But what, what, a question for you. Why do you think, why would you say the music industry is like rocket science? Well, because you think navigating relationships is harder than it's thought. It, emotion, it is. Emotional intelligence is, is extremely difficult more than most people realize. So that's, that's one thing yeah. for sure. But I think 
it's not straightforward like it I'm the wrong person to say this, mm-hmm. but I'll say it anyways because that's how ignorant I am. Um, um, it the music industry is not the same as it was in the '60s, '70s, and '80s. Hundred percent, right? I mean, in the early 2000s, people thought this this shit was dying, um, and maybe it has to some regard. Maybe it's also blossomed in in, in a yep. regard. But how is it rocket science? I think there's so many angles to attack when you look at promotion, marketing, branding, sound feel texture to your group um business acumen i mean the level that you're the level of knowledge that you're required to have in order to be successful and not only for you to have right now but for you to continue to have and grow like you said earlier betting on yourself it's like going into a black hole or you used a am i even studying the right book for what we're trying to accomplish right yeah those pressures are so complex you work perfectly for it because you have a million things on your mind all the mm-hmm. time and can craft them well and navigate them well. But that's why I say it is rocket science because I'm sure, especially in a man in your position, that you're attacking this job, this project of Manila, Manila Gray in 10,000 different ways yep. at the same time. Mm-hmm. Right? And that... But like, here, here you go. <clears throat> It's still not rocket science. <laughs> it's still not like... I've never built a rocket. No, no, I know, but like... I, I'm just gonna say, like, like, <laughs> like someone like Elon Musk built a rocket that goes to space and then lands back vertically, like perfectly. Like, bro, like I don't care how many publishing books I'm reading. It doesn't matter, like, how much business acumen I have to study or what relationship. Like, it's still not rocket science, and it's still not brain surgery. Like, I, I would, I would be like blowing smoke up my ass and being like, oh, like. You know, it's yeah. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say what I do is easy. That's definitely not easy. But I wouldn't say it's as hard as like doing like heart surgery on someone. Okay. Or I'd so I'd so I'd hope that <laughs> yeah. there people are holding themselves up to the standard yeah, that yeah, I've given yeah. them. But like, yeah. But no, I, I mean, I think you make. I mean, I think you make some really great points. I mean, even like like we were saying about like you know after we hit a million views. On, on on time zones we were like oh are the next steps like yeah. we gotta figure that out you know yeah, yeah so. there's no roadmap at all nope totally so let me you touched on something very quickly you said at the end of the day i need to find i'm paraphrasing i don't know what you said but you said something along the lines of i need to find out what i am really truly good at and hone in on that yeah you don't subscribe. So, for instance, I have an athletic background. So, when we say, when we get in the gym with a basketball player, we say, all right, we're going to attack your weaknesses. Very rarely do we say, let's double on your strengths, right? And obviously, you can't draw direct parallels there. Do you think about that at all in terms of let's double up on my strengths or, hey, there's some holes here. I need to plug them. I think um, <clears throat> it depends. I think right now, I get to focus on a little bit of both early on you, you're always, it's always about context, right? Okay. <clears throat> like your personal context, your self employed context, and then like the project context, right? Does that okay. make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. <clears throat> and <clears throat> once you figured out where you are in that context and it changes because the world is dynamic, it's not a standstill environment. <clears throat> you're, you're constantly trying to find where that objective reality is and then you're able to like make moves on that. Mm. I don't just subscribe to like blindly being like, oh, let's focus on my weaknesses now or let's double down on strengths now. Like, no, it's like you, 
you have to ebb and flow as the world and everything around you ebbs and flows. And mm-hmm. if you don't do that, like, you know, you're lost. You're going to be like washed up. Like, <clears throat> yeah, that's what people who washed up are like, yeah. they're not their objective reality and what they're seeing internally or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure it's a deeper conversation than that, but of course, I mean? no, I understand what you're saying, <clears throat> but so within that, let me just take what you're saying and run with a little bit here. You yeah. just said their objective reality maybe skews a bit. Yeah. for guys that are washed up. Um, in order for you to be effective, management team, graphic team, whoever needs needs to be effective, you need to keep a very tight hold on what reality reality is and then what your objective reality is. And maybe we can tie this back a little bit into, do you have concerns for your team's career in five years, 10 years when things are really real? Well, when when, or when you're defining concerns, what do you mean? Like, am I worried? Well, no, not, you... not worried as in, oh, I don't know if this guy can handle it. I'm just saying almost, for instance, we have a team here at Self-Hired. Yep. And so I'm constantly thinking, oh, you know, is, is Kev or Mike or whoever, are they going to, how is this going to go for them in five years when they have all this stress on them? And then how can me now put them in a better position to deal with that? Almost in... Obviously, that, that that's his own man right there. And I'm not trying to, you know, son or anything like that. I'm just saying I want to see you win and I want to help you put yourself in the best position possible. So five years down the line, when things are crazy, you can weather that storm and, and be a motherfucker, essentially. Be an elite person. I have a question for you, dude. Yeah. What, where do you get that level of insight from? I have no idea. Um, most people at 22 aren't thinking that far along. No, oh, man, you just gave my age out. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, sorry. Whoops. Well, we can we can edit that out. <laughs> no, no, don't edit it out. It's it's cool. Uh, um, um, yeah, most people don't don't think about that. Just it's just don't. That, I mean, even even if you're in a, a work environment, even if you've graduated or whatever, like you know, unless you're really in it or have like, you definitely don't have your feet on your heels you're you're like for some reason you're like you're dialed into like another thought process because like if you're already thinking about like the the position that you're in and you're like oh like how is that the stress in the next four years gonna affect my superior and how is that gonna affect me is some like deep shit (laughs) well I, i i worry a lot about structural organization definitely um there's two things that fuels that, uh, maybe even three. That one, I'm ultra competitive, ultra ultra competitive. Yeah. I'm competing with everybody at every time, all the time, regardless of the situation. And that doesn't mean like, oh, I'm gonna walk down that hall further, like cl- quicker than you, or further than you, or I'm gonna. That doesn't. That's not what it means. It means like, yeah. I, I've always come from a diff- disenfranchised place. So, um, Jimmy Iovine said this. He said on Dre's album. He said, uh, I always felt as if to do as well as the next man, I have to work harder than the next man. Yep. And to do better than him, I just have to kill. And so, you know, I'm, I'm coming from a place that, you know, maybe, you know, I was two steps behind coming out the gate. And there's people that are fucking 80 steps behind compared to me. So I'm, I'm not trying to be a sob story yeah, here, but, um, and so no, I just, but you, yeah. you, you're, you've engaged like the mode in your mind. You're like, no, no, I'm not, I'm here to win. Like whatever no, that there, there, is. there's, there's the physical, there's the mental, right? There's, there's, there's your intellect, your knowledge base. I don't party because I know I can make that space productive. Like alter mind altering, uh, altering substances are great because they can actually provide instances, but that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying I'm not, I'm, I'm never off. 
I refuse to be off. Like I just, that is not okay. Right. Because I hate losing more than life. Like I hate losing. So there's that. There's also the fact that, uh, you know, I came up in a different environment where there was no set ideology. The, The number one thing, hands down, if I was stuck in an ideology, I would not be able to do anything. Well, I would, but I'd I'd be marginalized. So I came up in an environment that unmarginalized myself. So no one ever said, as as much as there was maybe socio and economic glass ceilings, there was no um, philosophical glass ceilings. Right. Right. So that lid was off. Um, and then delusion, hundred yeah. percent delusion. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, I want to flip that back on you. That for same you. question for you. How did how did you how do you navigate those waters? What made you think like that? You're 25. <sighs> that's crazy. Uh, uh, a couple of things. I think like early on in my 20s, I suffered from a lot of anxiety. Mm. Uh, the like the I guess like problems that come up with like mild ADHD. Yep. Um, and then 25 hitting and then realizing like, oh, at, at 25, I wanted to be a music producer. Like, why, why am I here? Like, you know, yeah. at, at 19, I was like, oh, I'm going to be a music producer. Like, this is what I want to do, right? Mm-hmm. And not to get in too deep to it, but those two things block in and you're 25 and you're like, nah, nah. <laughs> F this. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. Sure. I'm, I'm out of here. Like, Whatever this is, like whatever sunken place I'm in now, like needs to stop immediately. I don't like, want it. I mean, you just start chopping heads off at that point. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah. That's the other thing too is fear, right? Yeah. Because, for example, like I, I always tell people your not to do list is more important than your to do list. Wow. So, whatever your not to do list is like, I don't want to be a failure. Let me put that on there. Like, yeah. you know what I mean, and just operating on that and just, yeah. and then you start putting your not to do list together and you're like, you start, you start navigating the reality of your life way faster. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So you said you're, it's almost as if you're setting presets, you're building, you want to go back to producing for a second, you're building your canvas and I don't want this to be in my canvas. I don't want this to be in my canvas. I don't want this to be in my canvas. And based on the process of elimination, I can start to craft out what, maybe what I want my life to be. What got us to this question originally was how do you foresee, and I'm really, really curious about this because Mm -hmm. obviously this is something you'll have to deal with. You think about, and you know you can articulate about when you how are you how can we in general as the public or people within organizations similar to ourselves put our say superiors or our peers or people within our own organizational structure how do we prepare them or help them from a place not of ego not as in like oh let me sun you like it's just like no let how can i help you for five years down the line Ah, oh, man. Uh, shout out to my mother for making me uh, <laughs> very emotionally intelligent. Yes. Uh, Not your dad? My dad taught me hard work. Beautiful. My dad taught me, like, doesn't matter, man. Shit's, like, yeah. it's got to get done, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> um, but with those two things in mind, like, I, I guess I've never, for whatever reason the brain i've been given i never have found um enjoyment in sunning someone of course uh because when i'm on the other side of that that's 
Yeah, it's like this is terrible. Like, yeah. I was like, yeah. what? Uh, what an uncomfortable position yeah, to be in. Yeah, it's like yeah. it's like what, dude? What am I supposed yeah. to do now? Yeah, and um, you know, a, a mentor in um, a couple of years ago told me like, always be humble. Mm-hmm. Like, once I start operating on being humble and. Man, I don't want to use humble because, like, it has like bad connotation. Like, it means like you're not confident or whatever. And like, yeah. So maybe not humble, but like, like ask the question. Like, think of all the things that you don't know how to do. It's like there's so much stuff. There's so much stuff. Like, and like the answer now, of course, like again, like with Google, it's like how oh, I learn about music publishing or whatever. Like, I don't know. Like, and dude, also answering with, I don't know, which we've both done in this conversation is so, so relaxing. <laughs> Jeez. Like, it's like, I just have no idea. Yeah. Like what you're talking I about. I don't know like, how to answer your question. I, I don't I, have a knowledge right base now, or experience. Yeah, with like it, right yeah. now, like I'm just not going to say anything. Like, yeah, no, that's beautiful. Yeah. That's so, beautiful. The entirety of the universe is so large. I always like, I love I love getting into religious and meaning of life and philosophy and, and all that stuff. But you always I always end it with, listen, I've been on this earth for two decades, right? Man has been trying to figure this out for you know two millennium, right? Like, and you could argue that you've been on this earth like conscious for like what 10? 10, 11? 11, 10, 10, 10. less, yeah, less, yeah, probably five, less. yeah. Well, isn't that a bizarre like? So then you think about God, I got to, God, what if I last to a hundred? You know, like, God, I don't know if I want to do that. That's so funny, dude. Oh my God. (laughs) You ever think about that? Go on now. Lasting, listen, with our level of technology, there's a good chance. You live, you live healthy, no? You're a a fit guy. Come on now. You're going to hit a hundred. This is a, this is a super deep thought that comes from that it doesn't answer your question but it's a point i want to make when i left my job right i was looking at where ai was going mm-hmm. for like i was doing marketing like facebook ads and you know like google analytics and all that stuff and i was like reading people in seminars talking about ai and you start like dabbling in like how ai is built or whatever and i'm like oh we're we're all unemployed not not in 20 years like in like 10. 11, yeah. 11 and a half years, like the accountant that's studying accounting right now is going to be unemployed unless he owns a business with clients that he owns, that he has that the want to work with him. I think there's an asterisk to that. Well, what's that? Unless you can own relationships. There you go. Unless you have emotional intelligence. There you go. That's the only thing. So back to like the hundred year thing and we're talking about AI and stuff. I, I don't know, like, I hope I have a long life. Yeah. I think, I think life is beautiful, man. I hope I am able to put my energy out that has been given to me somehow. And yeah, yeah. be able to better the universe. Yeah. Do you worry about time? Do I worry about, I, at one point I did. At one point I did. When was this? Like a year and a half ago. Pretty much. <laughs> I, I was like, oh, I'm going to make it. When I'm 27, I want to make it when I'm 28. And it's like, ah, none of that matters. Yeah. All the people that like made it in the early 20, like by 25, right. That I've talked to that have made it are so out of the loop of like why they made it. Yeah. That it blows my mind. I'm like, wait, I thought you figured all this out. It's like, no, no. Like my dad works at 
XYZ, yeah. like my uncle does this, my yeah. aunt. So I helped. put the two together and then, and then I just yeah, did this, yeah. got the fund and, and then that, you, that was yeah. it. And then you, it's like, oh, like, oh, oh no, <laughs> <laughs> none of this matters. Just like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. It was at this point I realized I <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. no, it should just like literally be like that meme, but like at birth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Yes. Oh, that's so funny. The man. first yeah, that should be your first conscious thought that you should remember. Oh fuck! Well, I guess that goes back to like the immortal sin or whatever. So I guess so maybe. Immortal sin. What? Sorry. That's like the, or, the original sin. The original sin. Uh, yeah, the original sin. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 So um, maybe that's like the. Maybe that's what it is. Man. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. I. Uh, yeah, I'm forever fascinated, and that's what. Listen, man. Like that's what inspires me to live. Like, frankly, there's so much, you can look at this such and such a pessimistic way. Like, yeah, we're all going to be obsolete. Yep. Um, this shit's not going to matter. Um, but that's what gives me a certain level of inspiration to this, the knowledge of like, Hey, this is where I'm at. This is where my conscious thought is at, at this point in age. Imagine what it could be in, in 20 years if I keep going and I yep. keep thinking and, and being humble, like you said, and trying to gather knowledge as much and see what my true human capacity is, right? Can we, can we ever get to the edge of our human capacity? That's a, that's a great question. Have you, uh, have you ever like looked into Oprah by any chance? Like how she, no, I always organized? wrote Oprah off. Don't man. That girl is nuts. Like in the, the best way possible. She, okay. she, I read something about her that said like in her, uh, organizational meetings, she would ask her employees and her higher ups, like, are you leading today with fear or love? Wow. And I know that sounds mad corny or whatnot, but like, think about it. Like you're into your day to day, day to day decisions. How many times are you making decisions out of fear? And how many times are you making decisions out of like positive emotions? Let's not say love. Let's just say positive emotions. Right. Mm. Your day is like, it's like two different lives, man. Wow. I, yeah. Wow. So you make your decisions based on like your positive emotions. Like, wow. you know what I mean? Uh, I would say, I would say Manila Gray as where it is now wouldn't have been where it's at if I had functioned on fear. Had you led with fear? If we, if we led with fear, ah, uh, yeah, no way. Yeah. But no yet way. it's such a powerful backing. It is, it is, it is a powerful backing. Right. I, it, I, but I didn't lead with fear. Right. 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 I didn't lead with fear. I, I, I'm aware of it. I'm not naive to the fact that like, you know, X and Y can happen. Like, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. whatever mm -hmm. the business situation may be. Right. I'm not right. naive to the fact, but like, am I going to waste time for it? Unless it becomes like an immediate threat, of course. And of course. you're like, how to like navigate that. But like, no, I know. totally understand. I think that. So first off, I'll stop sleeping on Oprah. Yeah. She came out with like the whole law of attraction shit, which got right. misinterpreted in a way like just think it and it'll appear. Like no, like yeah, yeah think yeah. it. Let let it be every part of your being work towards it every day, and this shit's gonna gravitate towards you in a weird way. Um, shout out to anyone following out their dreams right now. Research project management. Just please do it. Yeah, it's great. Period. Stuff will get done. Yeah, like. This is why, let's just like real practical you're yeah. on Gary V right now. Sure. Like, write it down, understand project management, understand the skills that you don't have, identify blockers, or block, Google blockers. Yeah. <clears throat> and write down how many times you're bullshitting yourself in a day. And then, Ooh. 
Guys, on the video, you can see you that go. I'm actually writing this down. Understand project management. Define your blockers. Yep. Yep. See. Most, people are going to read that. They're not going to know what it means, but like someone's going to read that and be like, oh, oh that was the, that's that, what that, was, was. that was the sauce. Yeah. And like, I can even, you know, as you say that, I can even, I can kind of, oh, you know, there's thoughts that go in my mind, da, 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 but I don't even truly understand it. Right. So yeah. yeah, fucking write it down, go a deep dive on it. Right. For sure. To go back to what you just said though, with Oprah, I think that I looked at that in a different way. So I always say, what are my weaknesses? How do we, like I, like I tried to point out to you, or I tried to get you to elaborate a little bit on, on, on the inexperienced side. I always look at myself as in, okay, Joss, you know, you have certain traits. Some of them are good. Some of them are bad. So as we look at our decisions throughout the day, as we look at our decisions in our relationships, our life, our career, how much of this is led? You said fear, hate, or fear or love, excuse yeah. me. For me, I so how much of this is led by youthful ambition, youthful, blindless ambition? Mm -hmm. I just want to fucking win. Mm -hmm. Cause that's a huge part of my, my, being mm -hmm. and how much of this is led by oh no this is calculated and this is what's going to be best for my tribe my community myself my family my girlfriend whoever how much of this is going to bring my community of people of humans on this earth how much of this is calculated that's essentially my love how much of this is out of hate but hate i don't know if that's the right word for that it's just like blindless ambition how much of this is blindless ambition how much of this is calculation mm -hmm. and it constantly strays yeah. constantly move back and forth um i'm big on the books robert green 48 laws of power 100 you read, you read it I, I, I've, I've i've skimmed through it but like that's a great way to be a sociopath dude like oh my god it's so malevolent is you know what's crazy about it it's like it's not it's it's a human writing that it's not like some being that wrote it and then you have people operating on it yeah. like it's scripture yeah which you should probably think about too before doing something yeah um and yeah man i i have a lot of qualms with that me too but, that's the same but, that's the same qualm i have with the bible sorry but 50th law of power that's where i was going with that which is a book <laughs> with robert green and 50, 50 cent, cent read did 50 write any of that book i don't know if he did but yeah. <laughs> audiobook version of that is great does 50 narrate it i think he does actually. oh I forget my he did, god yeah. that that book and um another audiobook i read about habits or mm. listened to about habits mm. Mm. yeah so that's where i was going with that is the 40 laws of power is great a little malevolent i take that i think i take every bit of that with a grain of salt like i I read it all the time, but I'm always like, okay, how is this skew? What was the perspective this is written from? Yada, yada, yada. Now, the um, because I'm a huge fan of 50 Cent, like that was like the first, one of the first. It was Dre and then it was 50 yeah. um, when I was a kid. And so that's like the first way I got into this. So I always like really watch 50 through his entire career and been a fan. So it was like, okay, I kind of understand where this is coming from a little bit. Yeah. Robert, obviously not so much. Um, but in that, he says that book is about fear. It's about fearlessness and how, yep. how you can use it for listeners that don't know, um, how you can use it to drive you, pull you, um, dis disarm situations, you know, own in corporate rooms or, you know, manage relationships or whatever. So, you know, for instance, a young guy like me reads that book and it's like, oh, I'm just going to smash, I'm going to smash, I'm going to smash, I'm going I'm to smash everything. I'm just going to smash everything that lives. Period. Done. Over. Mm -hmm. Life doesn't really work like that, though. No. Right. You know, someone told me once, it's like when you're younger and you come across these swords or these tidbits, like these weapons, right? And 
you realize really quickly and I'm glad that you're self-aware enough to realize that like you can't use it right away because you know you don't want to be a sociopath and life doesn't work that way and you know you can't just utilize swords in every relationship that you have like Mm-hmm. There's a lot of tact that also comes with it, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. sort of ever evolving thing, you know, mm-hmm. but to read that and then to find like the guy who isn't self-aware enough that's utilizing that also very important. Beautiful. To know. Yeah. Cause yeah. then you're like, okay, like I'll hurt Robert. <laughs> <laughs> Chill you know, it. Like, you ever seen a picture of that guy? It's like, oh, Robert man. Green. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> I did a little research on it. Anyways. Um, so I'll wrap up and say for sure, man. These wow, what a conversation! Yeah, that was crazy. Oh, that I thought was we were wild. gonna talk about music production. Yeah, bit, my bad. This just happens. Just, um, I want to tie it back though, because I am deeply interested in that. And I, so you say you don't just want to take these swords and run with them and poke them in everybody you're with, but at the same time, it's important to have them. It's important to continue to grab them. Very important. What do you think is missing in your in your sheath? right now is there is there a spot where like i really need to work on that for uh, a man in your position i think that's an interesting proposition you know um for the last like year and a half we've been super super focused i've been super focused on the project and you were talking about like weaknesses and stuff i've been finally focusing on myself mm. um so that's like a sort i'm i'm it's a tough one yeah it's a tough so one. but i what i mean by that i just mean just like overall health mm. like eating right mental well-being yeah, yeah like scheduling like off times yeah, yeah, yeah instead yeah. of being on all the time um yeah because I, I i don't believe in the uh i used to believe in the don't ever stop working grinding never dies you know yeah, yeah, all yeah. the mottos everyone yeah. puts out it's like that's a bunch of whatever like just yeah. you know if you like i said like i in 2017, I was like, oh, I'm doing 12-hour days. No one can beat me. I'm the best producer. I'm going to manage everything, right? And maybe that's what it took to get to where we're at now or whatever. But then I also look back. It's like, well, if I just, like, worked Monday to Friday, actually between, like, 8 a.m. and, like, 6 p.m. and took a break, I'd probably get the same amount of work done. Like, right, right, right. So. Okay. What's next? What's next for for the team? What's the next stepping stone? If you were to look at everybody in your team and say, "Okay, we we, we got to level, we got to level up." What does leveling up look like for you now, tangibly? Like actual points, actually, actual points. We've 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 done enough of the philosophical. Next year, if we can get a platinum record, mm-hmm. that'd be crazy. Mm-hmm. If not platinum, gold. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we want. We're definitely gonna do a tour. Mm-hmm. Uh, the tour is probably gonna be like. Man, I don't want to say anything right now, but sure. like I'll definitely do a tour. Definitely hit Southeast Asia, Beautiful. the United States, Canada. Yeah. Definitely do a world tour. Um, definitely an album coming. Please. Yeah. God. People have been like <laughs> Jesus. We're actually in the mode for that, so the album is sounding great. Okay. The album's coming. Um Yeah. Okay. I like it. World Those tour, are, platinum plaque. Yeah, it's modest. And an, al- and an album, man. Like, and an that's album. What I want. And an album. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe like a maybe a maybe a team place in L.A. or something, and then that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Azel, man, hey. I took a lot of your time. I yeah. really appreciate you no, sitting appreciate down. That, hey, man, my hands are mad climby right now, but <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. That's yeah. how that's how it gets like when yeah. we uh, be sitting down for 
the time warp that whatever this yeah. was. So I appreciate you coming by. I know all the listeners are just going to eat this one alive. Yeah. Um, and uh, I can't wait to, to have you guys back on when, you know, you've achieved these things you put out because I don't think anybody has any doubts. So I appreciate you, man. I appreciate your time. Appreciate that. Dude. Thanks guys. That's a wrap. Yeah.